Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Today we are given to take a look at the creed and its role in our worship service. I'd invite you again to take hold of the hymnal that's there in the pew, and instead of going into the front part and finding it in the divine service, what I'd like you to do is just open up the back cover. Open up the back cover, and you'll see there a handy-dandy little thing that they put into the hymnal here, just for you. The thing is, sometimes in the course of going through a worship service, or a prayer service, or even just a basic personal devotion time, you want to know the creed. And sometimes the words don't come quite readily to mind, or, or the church is doing the Nicene Creed that day, and in your mind is the Apostles' Creed, and suddenly we're fumbling around and trying to figure out what to say next. Happens to me happens to you. We've all been there. What I'd like to just share with you is that in the back cover, there they are, right? A handy place to have both the Nicene Creed on this side, the Apostles' Creed on this side, and lo and behold, yes, even the Lord's Prayer is down there. Now we're not doing the Lord's Prayer today. That's going to be in a couple of weeks yet. But the Creed has a, a, a long history with us, and it answers a lot of really good questions. The creed occurs not just in all five of the divine services with Holy Communion, but is a regular contributing uh, uh, portion of many other prayer services that we conduct because it is foundational, right? It is foundational. Along with the, the, the most simple version of this, Jesus is Lord, from 1 Corinthians 12, 3, to a, a little bit more version of it uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which reminds us of our baptism, it reminds us of who our God is, and it affirms that this time and this place and this space is all dedicated to that God who has revealed himself in the promises of scripture and in the mighty deeds that he has done recorded there father son and holy spirit over the course of the time since our lord's arrival trying to figure out what to say about him has been a challenge and the creeds help us put the basics of all the things that the scriptures describe about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into a nice, neat package. On the one hand, you can say, well, I believe everything written in here. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. That's absolutely true. But when you're having a cup of coffee with somebody, it sometimes can be a little bit onerous to just say, let's start at the beginning and read through to the end, and then we'll know all the things that I believe, and they'll know all the things that I believe and all the things the church teaches, and here they all are. And that's quite a read. It 
can take a little while. And that hopefully is one of those places that has free refills. <laughs> or another tool that you have is the Nicene and the Apostles' Creed. In fact, I would suggest that those of you who have had opportunity, both as young people in middle school or maybe even later on as adults, to, to take some time to really digest these words together, especially under the guidance of somebody who's done it before, someone who has grown up in the church or who has been mentored in the church, those conversations lead all over the place, and they're very, very constructive and truly, truly helpful and edifying. Because in each one of these lines, we have promises from God to us. In fact, everything that God is for us can be linked in and, 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 and hooked in to some of these lines. God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, our Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, and yet at the same time also born of the Virgin Mary. So he is God and man all at the same time. 100%, 100%. That is terrible math, but it's lovely theology. And it assures us that we actually are fully rescued, not just halfway rescued, or not just a kind of a quarter rescued, or not even just 99% rescued, but 100% rescued, that he has both the capacity and the compassion to do the job. And so he has done. And relating all of the important highlights about Jesus' work for us, then gives us this tool whereby we can not only know the faith for ourselves, but even summarizing, communicate it to someone who doesn't know the faith as well. Now in the early church, there were struggle after struggle about how to explain this mystery, that Jesus of Nazareth, the, the man born from Mary, is at the same time God. And then all kinds of combinations of trying to figure out how to make that make sense. Ultimately, though, we come down to the bottom line of proclaiming it. It is what is because God says so. And in all of that, we rest secure in not trying to put Jesus under a microscope and extracting some cells of DNA and trying to figure out which ones are God and which ones are human, but to recognize that in his person, he's the one that is the son and he's the son for us. He's come to deliver all the goods. He's come to bring the word of the Lord to us and in fact to be the living word of the Lord for us so that everything that we need to know about God our Father is given to us in his Son. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, plenty of conversations about how the Holy Spirit works too. Nowadays, nowadays there's even more conversation about what God has done in creation and what 
gifts God has provided us in our own bodies to, to celebrate that we are his created work, to receive what he has given as a gift. The creed appears in several different places when it comes to the worship service. Sometimes it is right after the gospel lesson. If you grew up in a church like I grew up, that was the most common place for it. The gospel lesson would be read, and then the congregation would respond with one of the two creeds. And in the congregation I grew up, we had the Apostles' Creed on Sundays when we didn't have communion, and we had the Nicene Creed on Sundays when we did have communion. Well, that's fine. Now, all of the divine services are services for the main part of Sunday morning, and so communion is offered every Sunday. And so, well, are we never going to do the Apostles' Creed? Well, you have to come up with some kind of way of getting it all together. So, at your, uh, at your discretion, I've made an executive decision over the course of these last seven years. I'm sure you probably haven't noticed, but this is the way I do it, because we have communion every Sunday. On Green Sundays, we use the Apostles' Creed most often, and on festival time Sundays, we use the Nicene Creed most often. The primary exception to that is during the season of Lent, if I'm particularly using the Apostles' Creed as a time of, of Christian education for confirmation students or for new members so that they are also hearing it in church because they are getting ready to be baptized on Easter Sunday morning. And so that preparation time during the Lenten season allows them to digest that Apostles' Creed that they're going to be using as their baptismal creed as the church has used, oh, for the last 1,900 years or so. And so with a few adjustments and exceptions like that, or on those few occasions when I don't pre proofread the bulletin all that well, <laughs> that's generally the pattern. On ordinary time Sundays, we use the baptismal creed. On festival Sundays, we use the Nicene creed. So sometimes it's there at the response of the gospel lesson. In divine service one and two, it is located right after the sermon as a response to the sermon. So in either case, it's given there as the congregation's amen to what God is saying for that particular day. God speaks, and we say, Amen. Amen. And then we speak, and God says, Hallelujah. It's all good. The rhythm and flow of His speaking and our responding. Well, now you may wonder, well, so where is the creed in today's service? We don't have the Apostles' Creed, but the Nicene Creed in today's service. You can look through the entire bulletin, and it's not there, except for the fact that we just sang it. <coughs> so, one of the things that Luther did in 1525 was he published the German Mass, which was revolutionary at the time. Revolutionary at the time because Masses up to that moment had all been done in Latin. 
he took the ordinary things that happen every Sunday morning service and he turned them into hymns so that the people could sing them in German and know exactly what they were saying and hearing for many of them for the first time. To hear these promises from God ring out in their own native tongue. Now, some of you know German, and some of you don't. So, for the sake of all of us, we put them into English, too. And I'm sure you're thrilled that there it is, in black and white. Now, this particular creed, in contrast to the fact that we have uh, green on the altar, is based in Luther's rendition, not of the Apostles' Creed, but of the Nicene Creed. And it is there for us to, to celebrate in today's worship service. So today, in Divine Service 5, we sing it. You may notice, too, that there's quite a few allusions, what I mean by allusions is not illusions, not things that you, aren't true that you don't see, but, 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 but footnotes, uh, uh, keys into what will become Luther's explanations to the Creed in the Small Catechism. If you compare what you learned and memorized as a child or as an adult when you went through the Small Catechism and have the, the meanings for those creeds in your mind, there are lots of little connecting points, which, again, unpack the promises that are embedded there for us. So, for example, the fact that Jesus, our Lord, died on the cross is a fact of history. The fact that it is a precious ransoming gift, not of gold or silver, but of his holy precious blood, so that I may be redeemed and belong to him and to live under him in his kingdom, that's all promise that is embedded there, but not necessarily said explicitly. And so in Luther's explanation, he makes those things explicit. Faith is not just a matter of checkboxing, yes, that happened, yes, that happened, yes, that happened. But faith is saying, yes, that happened for me and for my benefit. Think about the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus as they were hearing all the things that had happened over the course of the last weekend of Jesus' life and ministry, how he had died and, and how he had been buried and how now women had gone to the tomb and found out that he was raised. And angels even appeared to them and described the whole thing. He is not here. He is risen. And with what attitude were they walking that road from Jerusalem to Emmaus? They were shuffling along. They were sad. They were downcast, the scriptures say because they thought it was all over, that they didn't understand that all these things had been done, not just done, but done for them, and that this was God's gift of eternal life. Forgiveness of sins on Good Friday, and eternal life assured in the foretaste of the feast to come, a 
as the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ makes manifest. So faith doesn't just tick off historical events and said, yes, I agree that that happened on 33 AD, uh, March 15th, whatever day we want to decide that all happened, but that Jesus of Nazareth, God's Christ, the Son of the living God, takes my place under the wrath of God on Good Friday and assures me of a place at the feast of eternity in his resurrection and ascension to give me a preview of coming attractions, to give me the assurance that this life that he has now provided is going to be my future as well. But he calls out over the entire universe and says, they are raised, just like he did for Lazarus, to call out his name and to bring him forth from the grave. In those promises, we have the opportunity to rest securely in the arms and in the, in the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, Luther is, is unpacking for us that the work of the Holy Spirit and the communion of saints and the life of the church is about the daily and richly forgiving of sins over and over and over again so that no one is ever left with any sins keeping them up at night or infecting their heart or cutting off their compassion or having their prayers denied on account of them. But that the rich grace of God on the basis of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ keeps coming to us in word and sacrament, orally and sacramentally and, and the written scriptures itself so that we have the absolute assurance of what he has done for us and continues to do. That this work is done so that we can truly forget about ourselves and have our focus so thoroughly grounded in our neighbor's need. To be the people of love that God has commissioned us to be. And to look forward in hope that the resurrection of all flesh has its way also with me, that sin and death is dealt with provisionally in Christ's death and resurrection, and that there comes a day when he raises me up to take my place alongside him and alongside all of you and alongside all of his people who call on his name. And so in giving us this gift, we have a way not only of bringing the entire word of Scripture together into a 15-second package so that we have our own ready-to-go elevator speech to say, so what do you think about today? Well, I think God created it. I think the Lord Jesus Christ has redeemed it, and I think the Holy Spirit is sanctifying it so that I can be at peace with Him and I can love you without living. How are you doing today? See, that kind of gift brings all of these things together so that we can be crazy people for Jesus and fools for Christ who are ready to say true and loving things because the way, the truth, the life, and the love of God has come to us in his Son. He's giving us a gift for the course of our lives together that we can bring together 
all the goodness of these wonderful words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to bring it for ourselves and for our comfort and for those whom we love and whom God gives to us. With all of this, we say, Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen.